So high risk, high reward. If you're going to be investing, you want to have an Amazon business first and then invest with a Walmart second to balance out your portfolio. That's the best way to do it. I think there's great returns on Walmart. I just think it's, if you don't have the stability of Amazon with it, you're sort of just putting all your eggs in one basket on Walmart. I would never do that considering their history of inefficiency. Hello, and welcome to the Optimized Store Owner Show, a podcast that helps frustrated store owners become optimized store owners. We are your hosts, Aaron and Christian. We want to invite you to join us each week as we share tips, tactics, and strategies from the most inspiring entrepreneurs in the e-commerce industry. This podcast will help you add flexibility, stability, and happiness into your life. Ready? Let's go. Hey, y'all, do you want to make a ton of money on Amazon? I honestly was like, dang, is this going to be a podcast? And you're probably wondering this as well. Is this going to be a podcast where they're going to tell me about the best product out there and how to drop ship it? It is not. Okay, so continue to listen on. This was sound advice, real business principles. They do it every single day. They're doing a ton of volume. Um, and it's something that I believe that every single person listening to this could get a ton of value out of, uh, whether it's about selling on Amazon or how to understand the structure of selling online in general. There's a ton of valuable advice in this episode. Uh, we got everything linked up in the show notes, so you check it up afterwards. But I know you guys are going to get a ton out of this. Enjoy. All right, Will, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Absolutely. So I, I, we were just talking right before this. I, I don't know exactly if I found you guys on an ad or how exactly this podcast happened, but I, I've <laughs> seen you guys online before, so you're doing something well. But... <laughs> Tell me what exactly you guys do, and then we'll just kind of go from your story, what you guys do, and then we can dive deeper into how this can actually help people grow their business. For sure. Um, so we we essentially are a logistics company, a product wholesale distributor, and then an Amazon management services company sort of baked into one organization. Uh, we started, we are a little over three years old now. We essentially started this company in order to sort of legitimize the so-called automation industry, which is the industry where you see people sort of done for you, Amazon businesses, et cetera, which we we noticed was just ineffectively getting executed across the board. Uh, I've been involved with Amazon since 2013, 2014, circa, uh, my business partner as well. And so we had prior success throughout the e-commerce world. Uh, my background is primarily in the tech industry for about a decade and doing Amazon Probably label stuff on the side and knowing the background of it and knowing how to work with companies and build them from the ground up. A little bit of experience doing that. You know, we we pretty much saw a broken model and, and we decided to seize that. And we started in February 2020. We essentially build and operate Amazon wholesale businesses and prime label branding businesses for investors looking to sort of diversify out of uh, your general investing opportunities and tap into e-commerce as an asset class. Uh, we also take over Essentially, we take over clients that might already have an Amazon business and are looking to really scale to the next level. So if someone's coming to us and they have an established brand and a wholesale business or one that maybe came from another provider or whatever it may be, they're looking to partner with someone that has the infrastructure, has the experience, has the software, has the direct to manufacture contacts, um, everything that you sort of need to have a successful business in a competitive market. Uh, they come to us and they, they work with us on a, an upfront cost and, and, and then we we basically work with them from there on through a performance-based partnership where we share in some of the net earnings of that business that we generate. Okay. There's a lot, there's a lot there. So 
let's uh, <laughs> let's dive into this. So businesses that you serve, and I also saw this on here too, not to complicate things even more while I'm doing this, is I also saw you guys do some stuff with Walmart, which we can talk about here in a second. But yep. what what size of businesses are people, because I, I guess that's the part of the misnomer is like, what size of businesses typically work well with where they hand over the logistics to somebody like you guys? Like, is there a certain threshold or is there a certain like uh, thing? Uh, honestly, the majority of our clients have zero experience. They don't even have an Amazon business starter. They just want to get involved, right? And so uh, a lot of them, I'd say 80 to 90% of our clients are just familiar with Amazon. And they just want to make money on Amazon and they have no clue where to go. They don't want to take a course. They want to partner with someone they can trust. They are generally financially successful already. Um, it could be entrepreneurs and other business um, verticals, or they could just be, you know, W2 employees that are are looking to just invest elsewhere besides their 401k or real estate or whatever it may be. Um, and they come to us for that. That being said, the commonality is they don't have time. They want to tap into the industry and they are financially comfortable. We do also have, obviously, the businesses that come on that already are established. I'd say one third of them are coming from a provider that was already doing this for them and that just didn't execute the right way. Uh, the other third would be someone that essentially flatlined where they started a business that had some success and now it's becoming too time consuming and they want to pass off the responsibility and scale to the next level with someone they can trust again that's got infrastructure, warehouse logistics capability to really you know bring it to the next level. Uh, and then... I'd say the next one is is essentially someone that you know might be looking at expanding upon a product line so they could have a lot of success. It's sort of related to the second tier that I just mentioned, ladder, but they're looking for us to come in and develop and expand upon their product category category that their product that ladder they have, which could be let's say they're doing really successful on you know kitchenware and you know, like a knife set, and I'm just looking into my kitchen right now, a knife set and and something, you know, some plate, plateware or whatever, and they want to expand upon that line. They want to explore different manufacturers, et cetera. And then also have a team that can run logistics that isn't going to gouge them like a 3PL center does because we are our own logistics company. So we are incentivized to grow our clients and not upcharge them on a bunch of stuff because we share in the profit, right? And so they'll come to us and they want to have quality control and they want to be prioritized as a client. That's not only someone who's running a logistics for them, the prepping, the packing, the fulfillment in some cases via FBM, but also is incentivized to make sure that the profit is getting, you know, they're getting their margins are as high as possible, right? And so there's a trust factor involved there where you know that we're all sort of in it together. Um, and that can help a, a client or someone who's interested in really bringing it to the next level on their side. Does the pro does and just to clarify too, I think this is probably a simple question is the, the product doesn't necessarily matter. No, no, it, not at all. Actually, uh, I mean, we it, for us, it, it's you know we do a lot. We sell a lot of wholesale items. So wholesale and private label, those are two obviously very different things. Wholesale for for listeners, most of which probably know this, but that's essentially you're, you're selling branding products at wholesale, so you're buying them in batch purchases at a volume discount, flipping them at a margin, right? Um, the problem with wholesale these days is most people buying wholesale on Amazon that don't have very, very deep pockets or getting it from a supplier, which everyone's getting it from, and therefore it's saturated, therefore your your margin drops down under 10% and it's a pain in the ass, right? And on top of that, the logistics pipeline is is essentially, you know, it's inflated with 
costs, which again, slices into your margin. And so where we actually come in here is we actually have a lot of net, a huge network in this. So we go directly to the manufacturer, we go directly to a supplier, which they're actually licensing us out to sell certain products in which no one else can really sell. And so we license those to our clients. And so exclusivity leads to better margins, leads to less competition on the platform and leads to higher sales and better ROI. On the manufacturing side, you know, we obviously we get manufacturing done in Asia, uh, Vietnam, China, et cetera. But what makes us unique is we're not just there. Um, we've been very, very, very bullish in Latin America. Uh, we have some manufacturing uh, capabilities in Greece, uh, but we really look at diversifying that. Um, as Amazon expands. And also on top of that, just to speak to that point, uh, if you are a seller and you want to expand into multiple markets, Amazon's in what, 33 right now, I think, um, we're an opportunity and a vessel to do that. Um, we have the ability and we are also firmly testing in four out of the top five markets. And we plan to expand our clients' capabilities and their consumer reach globally as Amazon expands. And so it's really, really, it's really looking at not really the products, what you're specifically selling, unless it's private label, we can go down that route. It's more of a data behind it. As long as it makes money, we're going to sell it. But really our reach as a provider and a partner in the space, it's taking those products that sell well and also finding more that are more exclusive and are, are licensed that are really, really like licensed exclusivity is huge. Um, and that's what's going to make you competitive on the, in the wholesale side of the business. And then on the private label side, it's, yeah, you might have more direction of where you want to develop a product, but wherever you get it manufactured can have a lot of effect on the margin capabilities, right? And then taking those products and looking down the line of where they can be able to sell, can you expand that line to be more attractive to European consumer, that kind of stuff. So I know it's pretty complex, but I just had to start off it. Hopefully that makes a little sense. It does. And if, if somebody wanted to, so you guys are going to help them throughout this whole process as well. Like if they're actually like, I'm... To your point, like the, they have the money, they're looking for something to diversify. You, what's the, what is the pro? Like, I always try to get, answer the question like three. So, like, what's the one, two, three? Like, what do yeah. I do? I'm interested in having you guys help me with this. Like, what, what's your process or what's the framework for making something go from yeah. this conversation to, to making money? Yeah. Conversation with a partnership advisor, contract, side thing, pay the upfront cost. We onboard the client, be essentially the financial driver of the business. So they're going to be in a Slack channel with account managers, et cetera. Um, we build out a strategy. We do the research. We do um, maybe soft end gating on their store, whatever it may be based on the products and the actual working capital they can invest and deploy into the product. Um, most of our opportunities in the beginning are going to have a five-figure investment MOQ. So I know between ten dollars to $30,000 for your first purchase of product, which have a 30 to 50% ROI. Um, and so we do the research after the store's live. You fill out a couple forms. You sit back as as an investor. For the first purchase, we provide you the analytics on it. You greenlight it. We go through on the purchase. It gets live, listed on your store, and your first sale probably within six weeks. And then we just take it from there. The only responsibility from the client side is really to manage their business. Um, I'm sorry, manage their working capital limits, so their finances. So you get you're the client. You own the business. You get paid out from Amazon. We invoice you for our earnings of that. Um, and you just manage your card that you're using for purchasing, right? And and you dictate how much you can inject into the business, which is going to have an effect on how much you can actually scale the business past a certain period. So 
you know, I'd say like, let's look at just year two in general. It's a little bit sooner than that, but year two with us is probably the most crucial year when your actual working capital allocation into the business, the deployment of that into the business, the monetary amount of that is going to have pretty much a direct effect on the return you can have. So obviously if you have a hundred K to invest, you're going to make more than the guy who's investing, he or she who's investing $10,000, right? That's not really the same case in the first year. But once we can get to a certain point and the business is scaled and mature, and now we're now we're strictly looking at what are you injecting into the business, and that's what's going to dictate your return and where we can really bring it. Because the higher you invest, the more volume discounts you get in wholesale. Obviously, that being said, earlier on we might pull together fifteen to twenty investors that are willing to to, to spend twenty to forty thousand dollars for an exclusive offering that's got a half a million dollar MOQ that might have you know twenty SKUs to it, right? Um, just to make sure that one person doesn't have to drop $500,000 on a product line where multiple product lines form one manufacturer. Generally, these are manufacturing deals. You can pull together the investors, and that's why there's also a benefit here. We're leveraging, leveraging all the clients' money together for purchases which they're not cannibalizing from each other on that product because they each get their own products here. And go back. I want to, I want you to uh, define something for me. So MOQ, just for people listening, what is the... Yeah. Defend- Sorry, yeah. MOQ is a minimum minimum order quantity. So, a manufacturer and a wholesaler wholesale supplier most likely like you get a great deal. The manufacturer specifically, which is very rare, but we out most deals. They're not going to be like, yeah, you can you can spend a thousand dollars at this discounted rate and just buy a thousand dollars. They're going to say, oh, you need to buy X amount of units, and we'll give it to you at this price. And most of the time, it's a minimum of ten thousand dollars purchase. I've seen minimums upwards of half a million dollars. To forty thousand to thirty thousand, it really just depends. We have the ability to pull clients together, so they don't always have to spend that much at once. Is what I was saying. So an MOQ for one offer could include three to ten clients potentially, or it could just be one client. It'll just vary on the product, where we're getting it from, who we're buying it from, the licensing on it, a lot of other variables. Do you guys also help with how do we drive the traffic? So I mean, you're going to help with the sourcing of it. Um, I don't know if you guys help with the traffic or like have resources to send people to, to like, how do we drive the traffic? If I'm going to do a- a Amazon FBA or if I'm going to do anything over with Walmart, like what is the Walmart FWFS or whatever they call? WFS. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we do, we have our own internal marketing. We'll run PPC or giveaway campaigns, that kind of stuff on the wholesale side, a little bit depending on the product. Um, if it's a direct manufacturer, like for example, um, let's give this example. Let's just say it's a, it's a, it's a product line that everyone knows. For years, I'm just uh, we could at toys, for example, Hot Wheels, right? Let's just say that, for example, they'll come out with a new product line that's a different product, but it's a new product line at X at in the fall or something, right? And no matter what, that's going to sell because their brand is so well established, right? You don't really generally have to drive traffic to it; it's organic based on the brand recognition. So a lot of times, that's the case. If it's a little bit lesser known brand. We will run some traffic to that um, on the wholesale side, but most of the time, the analytics that we're pulling is we're simply just buying stuff at a better cost, of which there's less sellers, of which that are actually licensed to sell, or pretty much sometimes only one to two, which is no competition on Amazon when it's a name brand thing. And we don't have to drive traffic. Amazon does it for us organically, um, and the brand itself does it for us. There's some brands, I'm not going to name one of them because it's sort of proprietary, but um, it's backed by it's backed by a very, very well known athlete, and 
uh, we have exclusivity into that brand, right? To sell it on him on, for Amazon. And he likes to promote his own stuff randomly, uh, obviously because he gets royalty on a lot of it. Right. And so he will just do a quick Instagram bring He's on millions of followers and that on a brand new product, we're going to shoot a shitload there. And there's no charge for that. A shitload of volume traffic to that. Right. On the private label side, obviously we develop a brand, a brand, any brand and product for someone. That's always going to involve PPC throughout the entire term. Um, you might go negative in the first three or four months until it gets traction and then it catches up to itself. And then the ROI on it is huge, 70, 80%, right? Or more. Um, so it just sort of varies. Hey, so owners, are you ready to grow and scale your online business predictably and profitably? We've created a free 15 minute training that will walk you through the five key areas every online store needs to achieve financial success. You can grab the free training by going to optimizestoreowner.com forward slash ecom dash training or clicking the link below in the podcast description. Again, that is optimizedstoreowner.com forward slash ecom dash training. I guess my question from that is when does it make sense to jump into something like Walmart. I mean, I think that's something that people more and more people are talking about, yeah. but should they always go Amazon first yeah. and then go into something like Walmart or what's your suggestion? It's a very good question. Uh, I say Amazon first, always, no matter what, if you're looking at both of them, I don't look at Amazon as being saturated. And the reason why a lot of people will argue this, and the reason why I say this, is Amazon, yeah, they don't need more sellers. They don't, but they need more quality sellers. And a lot of the sellers on the platform are, are not quality. Right. And so if you look at the 3 million North American sellers, I would say that you can off the bat slice that into a third of who is actually competing against our clients based on the kind of products that are getting sold, exclusivity it's getting sold, the infrastructure behind it, um, policy violations, compliance, all that kind of stuff. Right. Niche markets, which we're not, you know what I mean? And so, like, and also active sellers, I mean, that are actually selling just because they're active sellers, I mean, they're selling, right? Those numbers are a little inflated. It's less competitive than, pe than people think if you do it a certain way, right? That being said, it's also more sustainable. The seller platform is better than Amazon and then Walmart. All these great things. And it's a good place to start. And it's the best place to start to get your feet wet. And it's a sustain. It's actually an asset. I don't look at Walmart as an asset yet. Let's talk about the good thing about Walmart. There's under 200,000 sellers. They're obviously like the second, the second largest retailer in the world. Um, they pumped eighteen billion dollars into their e-commerce program over the next forty-four months. I mean, it's it's huge opportunity here. The margins are high. There's a lot more competitors on it, et cetera. But their seller platform's janky. Their customer service is janky. I mean, seller seller support is janky. Uh, <laughs> they have so many glitches on their platform. It's a fucking mess. Sorry for my French. So you can still get a good return, but at the same time, it hasn't been. They haven't been doing a lot of. Their logistics is losing product on WFS sometimes. Like there's there's a lot of mess ups for a company that size on their e-commerce platform. So high risk, high reward. If you're going to be investing, you want to have an Amazon business first and then invest with a Walmart second to balance out your portfolio. That's the best way to do it. I think there's great returns on Walmart. I just think it's, if you don't have the stability of Amazon with it, you're sort of just putting all your eggs in one basket on Walmart. I would never do that considering their history and inefficiency and their glitches and their errors on their platform. But the good thing about it also, if we look about approvals too, we don't run approvals on Walmart for people unless they've got six months on Amazon. It improves 
the ability to actually get approved on Amazon because you on Walmart because you have an established Amazon business. And believe it or not, obviously they are trying to be like Amazon when it comes down to their e-commerce platform. And so if they show that you're you show you're established and a respected seller on Amazon, your chances of approval are way higher. And once you get a denial, you can get approved, but what I you might not read this anywhere and they might not tell you, but it definitely affects your approval chances after one denial. And so it's better to be safe than sorry, take your time, build out Amazon business first, walk into Walmart after that. And then yeah, Walmart's got some categories, some selling categories that um, you know, I think Amazon just started doing better on the automotive side. I don't have the data in front of me, but look, Walmart's a leader in automotive for a while. There's certain categories of products that it can overtake Amazon with. Uh, and also you can, you can double sell a private label product on both platforms. You will have people that will never shop on Amazon and only shop on Walmart and vice versa, right? There's always going to be loyalists on each side. That's always going to be the case. And so in a e-commerce portfolio, I would say two Amazons for every one Walmart. That's how I would download that out. That makes any kind it of does. sense. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> to your point, I, I think of, I've, I've purchased something from Walmart e-commerce maybe once or twice and Amazon I did three times yesterday like it's just that's what i think of yeah yeah okay and then i guess let's talk about the uh, the logistics part like how what makes you guys well you're based out of dallas i don't know if that, there's anything like strategic with that or not but um maybe you can talk about the strategicness there but then also the the main thing that people are going to have is like uh, what trusting this brand to represent my company to get something there at the right time whenever they say they're going to get it at the right time, et cetera. So like, um, what, what things have you guys like figured out or fixed necessarily in the industry to help with the logistics? I know that nothing's perfect, but just trying to give some insight into that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, pri primarily we're running an FBA wholesale program. So we are our own prep center first. We do do fulfillment, fulfill by merchant. That's like 15% of our business, right? Um, I know we, yeah, we wouldn't do that primarily. It was a little heavy for us in Q4 because Amazon's fees, so we put more emphasis on FBM. But like, you're not going to get docked on health if it's late to the Amazon logistics center, right? If it's late to a customer, but in fill by merchant, that could affect the store health, and there's more reliance on that. We have good logistics for that, but what we're really bet that is buying wholesale, having it get to our facility breaking it down, repacking it, and then shitting it 10 minutes down the street to the Dallas Amazon facility, of which is centrally located in the US, of which when it goes to that system, it goes through a program and then it algorithmically will place it at, a, at an FBM center somewhere in the US based on shopping trends and what the product is and whatever else data they have. Um, and you know the reason why we, we picked Dallas because it's centrally located. And exactly, we don't know exactly how Amazon's algorithm works. But based by something reasoning, uh, we we think that being centrally located is going to be advantageous for a client that is selling it in someone else with a similar product and putting in location wise. You, you're not if you, if we were, for example, located in California, we might lose out on getting strategically located for a two day prime product for sold on the East Coast. The point I'm trying to get for our clients, and that's why we initially located it there. Um, we also have a facility in Florida where I'm at right now, and one in Michigan. Um, those those two followed the two that we have in um, in Dallas, which which are technically Grand Prairie, and yeah, they're ten minutes from an Amazon facility. Um, on the fulfillment side, we've been able to source a lot of good logistics. Um, I, I don't best way to put it. 
I'd say ship corporate shipping rates based off our volume. So DHL, FedEx, UPS providing us one to three day ship rates, of which we also subsidize part of that from our clients. Well, we can actually outship Amazon to Hawaii for some products on Prime. Amazon Prime is like four days into Hawaii or six days of a lot of items. We can ship heavy stuff and still do a higher margin. It might be a, it might be a slightly lower margin, but the volume of sales will be better than Amazon because the ship time is left. So more people will want to buy a certain product, right? Um, so we've actually targeted uh, consumers in Hawaii sometimes because that's something that we can actually out outshoot Amazon through UPS on. So there's some there's some things like that that are very unique to our program, um, but that just sheds some light on you know, why we have it there and the reason okay. behind it. What would you say? I guess to the questions that I'm going to get asked from this are the mistakes that people make or the illusions that people have whenever they're getting ready to start this because I want to make sure to paint the picture because. Obviously, people read and they and they see all this stuff online. They're like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make millions of dollars. That's just, everybody does it. But what, what are some of the illusions or delusions yeah. that people are running into or they don't see maybe it's a blind spot before they jump into adding this yeah. to their part of the business or starting this or anything like that, that that they need to have basically their ducks in a row to make it make sense, I guess, if, that, if, if I'm clarifying. 100%. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So, so if we look at it in terms of investing with a partner like like our organization, Ascend, you know, there's which in, which means at the same it's the same part of just investing in Amazon and starting one, right? If you're doing it yourself, you know, and you're busy already, like you're not going to have time to, to operate an Amazon business that's going to really accelerate past like the decent initial sales if you do it the right way. Um, a big thing. So, so most people. If they have the capital, they're going to want to partner with someone on this. If they're looking at it as a passive investment opportunity, that's what that's what we provide is the passiveness of it, right? The big thing that people misconstrue is that yeah, it might be a digital business, but there's brick and mortar behind it, and it's a real business. <laughs> it doesn't, it's not perfect. It doesn't happen overnight, right? So patience is huge here. You know, we can scale businesses. We have multiple seven-figure businesses we built for clients. When I say seven-figure, I'm mean doing millions a year in revenue. Uh, they didn't happen. That didn't happen the first year. Most of those businesses actually started three years ago with us, right? Uh, but the big thing here is people need to understand that in the financial undertaking, that has going to have good returns on it, but it just takes a little bit of time. So it's important to realize when we say it's done for you and it's automated, it is, but you're still going to handle your own taxes on it, right? That's because it's income that's coming in, right? And you're going to you're going to have to manage it to some extent. We're the operational partners. We do 95% of the work, but adding a business that's running this is a serious, if it's doing this kind of volume, there's obviously some obligation to some extent, right? And so whether it's five minutes a week or anything, some people come under the impression that they're never going to have to do anything at all, which is just simply not true because if you have a successful business, you're going to have to be involved, even though it's a minimal amount, a little bit, right? And the scaling period of it, you know, their first six months are fairly slow, but we can get any woman to, if John Doe and Jane Doe started at the same time, John might hit his first $10,000 a month in profit on month 10. Jane might be month 16, right? Why? Well, some products will take off faster than other products. You can, data can tell you certain things, but it can't predict everything. And so we are very good at predicting, 
but we can't tell you exactly when something's going to happen or when you know a buying trend is going to change directly and there's predictive analytics obviously but what's most important here is understand that there's ups and downs not every month is going to be a progress month you might drop some sales one month before the next month or whatever but at the end of the day if you look over a three-year period working with us you'll have major money back plus profit and it'll be an upward turn just know that it's i'll be a lot of real estate investors and they align a lot of this well because if you make your investment back in about 12 months which our clients generally do that's a lot sooner than it is if you invest in a house, yeah. <laughs> right? Unless you're right. flipping it. <laughs> and so the patience with a real estate investor is really there because they just get it, you know? And so people that are coming from outside investing that have not really invested in something like this before, just if you compare it to investing in real estate, it's way cheaper, returns are faster. It's just a little bit different, right? But patience has to definitely be there because it's not a get-rich thing. We do We build sustainable businesses that are actually efficient and built for the long term. Um, and it just takes time for it to mature. Uh, one, uh, one last question from that. Are you guys also helping with, um, I know like you mentioned, like the taxes and whatever else. Are you guys also helping with like the, yeah. I would say the the ethos or the conversations about the ethos of the business as well? Uh, or is it more so just, we'll help you pick this product and you get it out there, but you really need to come up with the name. You really need to come up with these things or... Oh, I mean, the, the most that they have to involve is like, this is, well, their entity name is this. They pick that. They can pick their store name too. At the end of the day, after that, we literally will do That's everything awesome. else. It can be as high touch or as low touch. If someone comes in and they want to like be involved a little bit on the patent development side, yeah, they can say they want to go down like the eco-friendly route or like pick a niche that they feel like they're more attracted to if they want to do that. And we'll search in that area. But on the wholesale side, it's simply... You provide the capital, we're going to provide products that make money. And so we all make money. And so it's passive in that sense. If you want to get involved a little bit, there is an extent where you can sort of dip your hands in it a little bit more. But most clients are coming in and they don't want to be involved. They just want to pop money in and get a return back. That's awesome. Okay. Very cool. So that the next logical question is, how do people get involved? What's the best way to connect with you guys? What's the best way to schedule a call with somebody to, to find out more? Yeah. Totally. Um, so our YouTube and Instagram are, are we're posting all the time. Uh, Instagram is at ascend, A-S-C-E-N-D underscore C-V. That's Cat Victor. Uh, that's Ascend Cat Ventures is our name. Uh, our website's www.ascend, A-S-C-E-N-D, cap, C-A-P, venture.com. Ascend Cat Ventures. You can find all the information out there about us a bunch of information about the program, et cetera, book a call with us, et cetera. That call is a partnership advisor call. We're not salesy. This is a two-way street here, so we just want to learn about your background, what you know about it, what you don't know about it. Tell us, it will tell you the prices, how it works, et cetera. If it makes sense to have a second call, we'll go from there and show your results, backends of successful stores, and then you sort of move from there. Um, but that's essentially how you get in touch with us. Follow us on YouTube again, the same cap ventures. Um, that's where you can cool. find us. All right, I'm going to link all that up. This is extremely powerful. So, Will, thank you so much, and uh, really, we'll definitely have to get you back on on the show to take. I want to I want to use the example. Yeah, I'd love to joining on man. Give, give some examples. We'll, we'll have to chat <laughs> offline about that. But I appreciate it, man. Totally, totally. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. That's a wrap. Before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram stories at Bitbraining, and let us know what you thought about this episode.
And next, make sure to leave us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us reach more people and continue to improve the podcast for you. All right, guys, have a great day and we'll talk to you next week.